and good morning. It's uh, great to be in worship with you. I'm trying to, there's my mark. All right. There's a little piece of black tape up there, so I'll make sure that um, I'm centered. So hope everybody is doing well. Um, it's good to be in worship with you. It's good to hear us singing uh, together as, uh, as followers of Jesus. So many of you know that um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Jack and I, we went to, um, to visit some of our partners, uh, visit our partners in Ireland and Albania and Hungary and Romania. And again, there's a five, six, seven hour difference in all of those places. So we get back to the U.S. and, um, and typically um, when I travel like that, I have trouble sleeping like through the night. I'll get back and I'll wake up at 3.30 in the morning and I'll be up for the rest of the day. Or I'll wake up at 2 and go back to sleep at 3.30 and then, I'm, uh, then I feel groggy uh, when, I, when I wake up again. But then I found something. It was already in our house. I didn't really find it. I just kind of discovered it in our house. Um, I discovered the weighted blanket. So my daughter, my daughter has one, my son has one, and uh, my daughter uh, left hers at home. So I got her weighted blanket off of her bed, and I just said, okay, I'm going to try this. And I got under that bad boy, and I, oh, I slept. I slept, and when I woke up the next morning, it was like I felt so rested like the weighted blanket, like where has this been all of my life? That's kind of the way I felt. And then something else happened. I started telling everybody about the weighted blanket. I literally, like I became an evangelist of the weighted blanket. Like I, I told Dave Maxey, who you see on the plat, like I told him this week, you, like, like you have to try the weighted blanket. My sister came over for Easter, and i telling her, you got to try the weighted blanket. And once uh, I gave her mine so I could buy a new one, and that one was 15 pounds, and I bought a 25-pounder, and it was like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Like, all of you should buy weighted blankets. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was like, it was, it was absolutely incredible. And when I started telling other people about it, it was like, yeah, because I've experienced it. I've experienced the weighted blanket, and I want other people to, to experience it as well. And then I started thinking, I think it's kind of like that when we tell our friends and our family members and our neighbors about Jesus. Is that we've experienced him. We've experienced life, we've experienced joy for those who are believers, and you've experienced this peace that surpasses all understanding. You've experienced some level of not being shaken in a world that's turbulent, all because Jesus is with you and me. And then I started thinking, do I talk about Jesus like I do weighted blankets? Wow, I didn't know it was that. <laughs> Do, do, I, do I talk about him like I do that? And, and I, I started thinking, like, we have bread. H how come we're not telling a world that's starving 
about the bread we have. We have life. How come we're not telling the world that's dying about the life that we have? We have joy and peace amid sorrow and pain. And how, why is it that we're not sharing with this world that is confused about life and joy and peace and love that comes from, from God? So I started asking that question, and so that, that's kind of one of the questions we're going to answer uh, today. H- how can we tell the world that all that we have experienced, if you have experienced life in Jesus, how can we begin letting them know that that life is absolutely available? How do we tell them that that life is available for them? So we've been talking through these, these last several weeks. It's, these last several weeks have been a part of a larger series going through the book of Titus. But these last several weeks, we've been talking about doctrine. And doctrine is simply a $75 word for sound teaching or healthy teaching. So we talked about um, creation. We talked about fall. We talked about redemption. We talked about Savior and Messiah. We talked about Jesus being fully God and fully human. We talked about uh, Jesus' ascension, that he's back in heaven now and his present ministry now. And then today we're going to talk about another very important teaching for every single believer, and that is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of believers. So Jesus' death and his resurrection opened up all kinds of things for us, all kinds of gifts. Uh, Our sins are forgiven. We now have a relationship with our heavenly father that we now have joy and peace and life and grace. We experience expressions of God's love in new and powerful ways. We have a community that we're part of that we can draw strength and uh, life from. You and I, from Jesus' death and resurrection, an entire world has been opened up to us. So the question is, do we sit on this for ourselves? Do we become hoarders? Or how do we let people know that this is available to them? How do we let our friends and family members who are far from God, how do we let our coworkers know who are far from God that this is available to them? How do we let our friends know that this is available to them. And I think what we're going to look at today helps us to answer that question. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, the verses are not going to be on the screen. I want you to actually get a copy of the scriptures in front of you. The rack, the, the, uh, there's a Bible in the rack in front of you or in front of you underneath. Or if you have your phones or your tablets, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. If you're looking on the Bible that the church provides, it's page 909. Acts chapter 1, we're going to start at verse number 1. Acts chapter 1, and this is how it begins. In the first book, so this is Luke. Luke is a medical doctor, and he writes the book of Acts. The first book, or the former book that he's talking about, is the Gospel of Luke. 
So, um, so in the first book, O Theophilus, Theophilus is a guy who wants to be firm in his faith, and he wants to know everything he possibly can about Jesus. So what he does, he actually funds Luke. He kind of gives Luke an assignment. Hey, I want you to go and find out everything you possibly can about Jesus, and I'll fund it for you. So what Luke does, Luke goes back to Jesus' hometown, and everywhere Jesus went, and, uh, and taught and lived. And what Luke does, Luke actually interviews those individuals who were still alive and who lived with and among Jesus or lived with Jesus during that time. Saw what he did, experienced life. And so Luke goes off, does the research, and he interviews possibly Jesus' mother. He interviews a number of different other people who were there. He comes back. He does the research. He writes, the, he writes, the, uh, writes up the research, and he has a two-volume set. And a two-volume set is the Gospel of Luke and Acts that we have now. So Luke um, comes, and he shares all of this with Theophilus. And not only does he share it with Theophilus, he shares it with us. The first volume is all about Jesus, what he did, how, what he taught, uh, his death and his resurrection. The second volume, which is Acts, is the effect of Jesus' life and death and resurrection on those who believed. So the first volume is all about his life. The second volume is the effect that his life had on people who actually believed. Now, when we look at um, the rest of the verse, it says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after uh, he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Promise of the Father being the Holy Spirit, which he said, to, which he said you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection, he spent 40 days with his, uh, with his disciples. And he basically talked about three things. He talked about, number one, he, talk, he shared many proofs that he was alive. Many people doubted, and he had to show the scars in his hands. He had to show the scars in his feet. He had to show the scars in his side. So many doubted, and so he showed many proofs that he was actually still alive. The second thing he talked to them about, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a big word for, or a phrase for, what life looks like when God is large and in charge. What life looks like perfectly when God is reigning over the entire world. No more violence, no more pain, no more tears, no more all of the stuff we're experiencing now. When God is large and in charge, life looks different in our world. And we look forward to one day God reigning and ruling over the entire world. So that's the second thing he talked to them about. The third thing he talked to them about, which we're going to drop anchor on, he talked to them about the Holy Spirit. He talked to them about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, when he talked to them about the Holy Spirit, he only affirms what the prophets had already predicted many years prior, and that is the Holy Spirit will come and he will be poured out on all of God's people. 
and there will be a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God in people's lives. So he talked to them about the Holy Spirit. So we have to ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, third person of the Trinity, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, We believe that God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each Each person is fully God, there's only one God. I know it's mysterious. I know it's weird thinking about, think about, thinking about it that way, wrapping our minds around it, and yet we believe the Bible actually teaches that. We believe that the Holy Spirit is not a force, so we don't call the Holy Spirit it. We don't believe the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It is not a thing. He is not a thing. He is a person. Now, he's not a person like, uh, has a body like Jesus has a body, but he is a person in the sense that he has human characteristics, human characteristics like intellect and emotions and a will, and we can engage with the Spirit of God. We can get close to the Spirit of God. We can actually lean on the Spirit of God to give us direction, unique clarity in our thinking about what to do and where to go and who to marry and where to live. We can trust and depend on the Spirit of God to lead us, and we don't have to grope in darkness, and we don't have to grope in hopelessness we have the Spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit um, was actually prophesied in advance. So Luke says, like Luke says that John the Baptist talked about baptism. It's one of the images that Luke gives us, baptism. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Luke says, John the Baptist baptized people. We do it now. When we baptize people, we immerse them in the water and we bring them up and they come up dripping wet. And that's the same kind of idea that Luke is after here is that when Jesus ascends, Holy Spirit will come. And the Holy Spirit will immerse us in God and God in us. And it's like heaven on earth. And it's more than the Holy Spirit coming upon us. That's what he did in the Old Testament when individuals were going for battle or they needed, uh, needed help from heaven. The most amazing thing about this is, is the Holy Spirit not only comes to live among us, he has actually come, he's came, he came to live in us. So every single person who is a follower of Jesus, you have, here it is, you have the fullness of God's presence inside of you. Wow, I thought, I thought somebody would say like a little bit bigger amen than that. Like, like, no, listen to me. Listen, I want you to, like, like we, are, we, don't, we don't have, God is not this God. Now, now when I say it again, everybody's going to say amen. Now, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do it because you believe it and that this is a new reality. Maybe it's a new reality for some. The moment you believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit took up resident in your life. And you and I, right now, it's an amazing concept to have. We have the fullness of the presence of God 
the God of the universe inside of us. This is, a, this is absolutely amazing that God would do that for us. So the question is, why do we have the Holy Spirit in us? He's not, a, he's not just coming upon us, but he is in us. Why is that? Now, there are many, many reasons that the Bible talks about. We're not going to go through all of those. Like, he gives us joy in the midst of sorrow, and he gives us love in the midst of hatred, and he gives us kindness and to express in the midst of rudeness, and he gives us goodness in the midst of a decaying world. He gives us self-control when the world is out of control. All of those things that he gives, he gives us peace. But, but there's one thing in particular One reason in particular, the Holy Spirit is in us. It's found in verse 8. Look at verse 8. Chapter 1, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the reason why the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, the reason why the Holy Spirit is in us is so that we might be witnesses. That this is not about getting power just to, be, to have political power or to have some other kind of power. Listen, this is the reason why Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came and not just coming among us and upon us, but living in us so that we might tell others all of the good things that Jesus has done, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. That's the reason, primary reason, the Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer. So to ask the question, what is a witness? A witness is someone who knows something to be true. A witness is someone who shares an account of their own experience with the situation. Hearsay is not viable evidence in a court of law. It's a personal experience. So if you've witnessed something, you talk about it. If you've witnessed Jesus do something in your life, you actually talk about it, just like I did the weighted blanket. I experienced, like, whoa, good sleep afterwards, and I've been telling everything, everybody about the weighted blanket. I think the same way it is with Jesus. A witness is someone who says, this is what I've experienced, and now I'm going to tell other people about what I've experienced. Here's the joy that I've experienced. I'm going to tell other people about the joy that I've experienced. Here's the life that I've experienced. I'm going to tell other people about the life that I've experienced. Here's the peace. Here's all the things that Jesus has done in me, and I want to tell other people about it. I want to actually share this. So that's what a witness is first. But the word witness itself, it says, you will be my witnesses. Holy Spirit will come upon you, will empower you, and you will just start talking about what Jesus did. Not only that, the text says, you will be my witnesses. The word witness is actually the same word as martyr, is that you die for something you believe. So Luke says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will just start talking about Jesus. 
and what he's done. And when people start laughing at you, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep talking about him. It, when, when, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you start telling people about Jesus and they throw up their hands and say, I'm an atheist, I don't want to hear that, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep talking about him because a, the Holy Spirit says, I am going to give you words and not only am I going to give you words, but in, even when people start laughing and ridiculing, you're going to say this truth is so compelling. It is so transformative. This truth has changed my life that I can't stop talking about it. Laugh at me if you must, but I won't stop talking about Jesus. Lose my job if I must, but I won't stop talking about Jesus. Get rid of me from the family, but I will not stop talking about Jesus because the Holy Spirit is working inside of me. So Luke says, Luke says, Luke says, when the Spirit's power and presence come on you, you will be witnesses. You'll tell people about all the good things Jesus has done. And even if they don't believe, because part of what it means to be a witness is I will stand firm on what I know to be true and that one day, he changed my life. And you have that as well. I want you to go back to the day that he changed your life. Or maybe, maybe you're still searching. That, that Jesus is real, that his death was real and his resurrection was real. And, and the and Luke's first gospel or Luke's first book was to tell people about Jesus. His death, his life, his resurrection, his, his death and his resurrection. The second one is the effect of that life and resurrection. So the moment you and I encounter Jesus, we'll never, ever be able to stay the same. And so he says, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses and... That's the reason the Holy Spirit lives in us, is in us. One of the reasons is in us so that we might be witnesses. So the Spirit was prophesied, predicted that he would come, and in Acts chapter 2, he actually shows up. Take a look at Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under the heaven, under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all, of, not, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own language? And then he goes and begins to list 
a number of individuals. And in verse 12, it says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Now, now here's what's happened. Here's, here's what happened. So it was prophesied that the Holy Spirit would come. Jesus ascends to heaven. Holy Spirit comes. And he comes in a mighty and powerful and supernatural way. In the powerful and mighty and supernatural way that he shows up, he manifested himself with people from one part of the world, hearing people from another part of the world speaking their language without ever having learned that language. It would be like me going to Senegal and all of a sudden speaking Wolof and I have never learned Wolof. It's like me going to Kenya and speaking Swahili, and I have never, ever learned Swahili. It's like you going to Italy and speaking Italian, having never, ever studied Italian. That's what's happening in this passage here. The Spirit of God was poured out, and something supernatural happened. And the reason why he did it this way, I believe, is to gain the attention of people who were not followers of Jesus. To gain the attention. God does it. Sometimes he does it in a supernatural way where he heals an unbeliever. And an unbeliever says, I don't even believe in God and yet I'm healed. And it's getting their attention. I think sometimes that he does it in natural ways as well. That, that, that when unbelievers begin to ask, how is it that you love so hard when people have hated you so much? And your response is, I don't know other than the Spirit of God. Some of you who are doctors and lawyers and you take, your prof- you take the Holy Spirit into your profession and, and you do things that, that no one in your profession does. And as a follower of Jesus, why are you so generous? And why do you do what you do? Why do you pray with people? Why do you do these things? And, and you say, well, it's not because I'm so good. It's not because I'm this. It's because of the Spirit of God at work in me. How is, it that, how, is it that, how is it that when someone, your children or others, disrespect you, instead of disrespecting them back, you bless them? So, well, I, like, I, I wish I could tell you it's me. It's not. It's the Holy Spirit at work in me doing this. This is exactly what's happened. Sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up in supernatural ways. He does things that blows our minds to get the attention for a reason. And then sometimes he does it in quiet ways like loving radically, radical generosity. And people began asking. And we get an opportunity to do exactly what Peter did. We actually get a chance to stand up. Look at verse, uh, look at verse number 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, filled, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people aren't, are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. I know people who get, you know, they start drinking the third hour of the day. So, uh, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he goes on to give the prophecy 
of what was talked about many years ago, what you are experiencing now, and what you see now is the Spirit's power at work in these people's lives. So every day, you and I have an opportunity to take the Holy Spirit in the world with us and to show up in radical ways that the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you, he wants to talk through you, he wants to move through you and me so that when an unbelieving world, a violent world, a dark world, a decaying world says, help me to understand why are you doing that? We can answer like Peter, it's, it's the Spirit. Like, like, why do you waste your time going to church on Sunday singing songs? I, I, I wish I, I, the only answer that I have for you is, it's the Spirit. Well, why do you do the small group thing you gather together? Are you a part of a cult? Now, I, 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 listen, I, I, I wish I could, I wish I had a different answer. And the answer is the Spirit. You see, when we bring the Spirit into the world with us, the Spirit is going to do what the Spirit is going to do. And the Spirit does best. He gets people's attention like he does here in the book of Acts. They think they're drunk and the people get a chance to respond. We're not drunk. We just, we're full of the Spirit. And so, you see, he gets the attention, and once he gets the attention, we point to the Spirit of God. There's a, there's a river um, down south, the uh, Atchafalaya River, and it meanders through Louisiana, and it empties into the Gulf of Mexico. The interesting thing about this, um, it, it, again, it's a significant source of income, industrial and commercial. Um, it's beautiful and scenic, and it's, it's an amazing river. But the interesting thing about this river is it doesn't have a direct water supply or deposit. That, that it's, it's, it, it actually depends on the Mississippi. So all of the water in the Atchafalaya River is from the Mississippi. And, and I think it's the kind of the same way it is with us, that, that you and I, we, we are dependent creatures on the Spirit of God. That you and I, we do certain things, and yet, yet, yet we, we are called to depend on the Spirit of God. He is our source. He is our source for speaking, and He is our source for giving, and He is our source for generosity, and He is our source for singing. He is literally our source. We are nothing. We are powerless apart from the Holy Spirit's power and presence in our lives. Listen, listen, Trinity Church, I want to say this, that if you and I are not dependent on the Spirit of God, we might as well close the doors, stop preaching the Bible. It is because of the Spirit of God we exist. 
Here's a scary thought. 95% of what we do, we can do it without the Spirit. I can preach without the Spirit. The worship team can sing without the Spirit. 95% of what we do around here is the most scary thought in the world as a pastor, as a preacher. 95% of the stuff that we do around here, we can do it without the Spirit and no one would ever know. That is the reason why we must break our lives on the fact that every decision we make, everything we do, we must be filled and led and guided by the Spirit of God. So Peter Peter says we are dependent on the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit gets the attention and then we begin to speak. Now, this is by far the, probably the scariest thing for every one of us in this room. I like when the Holy Spirit gets people's attention, but please, Holy Spirit, don't ask me to say anything. Like, I'm scared. I'm fearful. Everybody in this room, myself included. And this is the reason why um, I, I have, a, have a good friend. Uh, I'm going to give you two ways in which you and I can actually begin to have conversations with unbelievers, all right, with people who are far from God, people who are not yet Jesus followers. I know that you love people in your family. I know that you love people in your, in your workplace. I know that you love your friends and you want to see them uh, surrender their lives to Jesus and experience what you've experienced as a follower of Jesus. So one, one friend, he said, there are, there are three levels to a conversation you can have. You can have a good conversation. And a good conversation, hey, you know, everybody in this room can carry a good conversation in some way or another. Whether it's about, you know, stuff you've experienced, the vacation you had, all of those things. You can have a good conversation for the most part. Ask the Holy Spirit to turn that good conversation into a God conversation. So good conversation to a God conversation. Hey, you know, this is... This is like, like I was praying the other day, and this is how God responded. Now, I know you may not even believe in God, but I'm just letting you know, this is how God has been working in my life. Good conversation. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you turn it into a God conversation. This is how God has been working in my life. I prayed the other day, and you know, my wife and I were having uh, uh, problems, or my husband and I were having problems, and I just prayed and asked God, God, would you please give me the patience? Would you please? And you know something? God gave me the patience. That's a, moving from a good conversation to a God conversation. You mean to tell me that God answers like that? Absolutely he does. You, you believe that God speaks to you now? Absolutely he does. So good conversation, God conversation, and then eventually asking the Holy Spirit to lead you into a gospel conversation. This is exactly what happened in the book of Acts. Gospel conversation. They spoke and they heard people in their own language and what they were saying in their own language, they were talking about the good things God had done through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So good conversation, God conversation, gospel conversation. Now that's, a, that's, that's really good, I like that. But something that we've already used here at Trinity, we call it the conversation quadrant. Four, four boxes, four ways to have a conversation with individuals who are not yet followers of Jesus. Start with a casual conversation. That's kind of like the good conversation, right? 
casual conversation. Hey, how's the weather? Hey, what about those Spartans? Hey, you know, uh, the Lions are probably not going to be good again this year. And um, what about those Tigers? And, you know, you're talking about a casual conversation. You're having a casual conversation with a person. That casual conversation, ask the Holy Spirit to say, hey, when is the right time for me to now move from a casual conversation to a meaningful conversation? And a meaningful conversation is all about, hey, how's your family? Hey, you, you, you remember you told me that you were going to take your daughter to the doctor? How, how, how did that go? How's your relationship, you know, with your son, your daughter? How's your, your marriage going? Again, those are the meaningful conversations. We, we, we want to move past uh, uh, talking about weather, and we want to move past talking about sports, and we want to move past talking about the next, uh, the, the next whatever is coming. We want to move from casual to now the stuff of life, the meaningful conversations. It's meaningful conversations. And then ask the Holy Spirit to move you from a meaningful conversation to a spiritual conversation. That's kind of like the God conversation. Like, like, like this is how God is showing up, or this is what God has done. You know, I, I prayed three years ago that we, my husband and I, my wife and I would find the right house, and right now, you know something, God has supplied us with the right house. You and I can do that. Because what we're doing, we're dropping seeds. It is the Holy Spirit leading us. And believe me, listen, believe me in this, the Holy Spirit is already working way before you get there. He is working on their lives. And he should be working on their lives based on how you and I show up in their world. And then that last quadrant, moving from a, a spiritual conversation to a discovery conversation. That is, hey, I know this is going to sound really, really weird, but, but the Holy Spirit has put this on my heart. Would, would you, okay, would you like to read the Bible with me? It's like, like, I can't believe I just said that, but, but the only reason I'm saying this and the only reason I'm asking is, is I got a nudge from the Holy Spirit. You say, but Marvin, they don't, they don't really understand all of that. Don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit is after your heart for you and me to be obedient. And surprisingly sometimes and many times, all the things you and I worried about, the people say, sure, I would like to read the Bible with you. And, and this is what normally happens, like, for real? Like, I didn't even think this was going to work. But the Holy Spirit is already there working in their hearts. So this is exactly the pattern that happened. The Holy Spirit gained the people's attention, and they started coming up with all kinds of what, what was happening and Peter stood for, stepped forward and clarified what was happening. It was the Spirit of God at work in these people. And as a result, Peter got a chance to preach and tell them about Jesus. That all you, all you see right now was prophesied early on. That Jesus of Nazareth came and he died for our sins. Not only did he die for our sins, he was buried in a grave, and on the third day he rose again. And he did that so that we might be reunited with our Heavenly Father. So the Spirit in us does a whole lot of things. 
But primarily, primarily, he infuses us to release us to tell a dark and decaying world about someone who is light and life and joy and peace. He'll give you joy. He'll give you, in the midst of sorrow, he'll give you all of that. But one of his primary reasons why he fills us, one of the primary reasons why he infuses us, one of the primary reasons why he empowers us is so that when it's the right time, we can build these relationships and have these conversations with people who are far from God. So what does this all mean? What does this all mean for us? Let me give you four prayers that you and I can pray. Four prayers that you and I can pray to help us. Number one, Holy Spirit, it's not going to be on the screen. Holy Spirit, use my testimony in all of its frailty to help people see Jesus. Say it again. Holy Spirit, use my testimony in all its frailty to help people see Jesus. Now, a testimony is this, what your life was like before you met Jesus. Tell people, like, you don't, you, like, you should have saw me win before I met Jesus. So life before Jesus. Secondly, how you met Jesus. Man, I was at this men's thing, and I was just there for the free food and all that kind of stuff, and I was just there because somebody asked me, but something happened when that pastor or that preacher or that, that small group leader start talking to me about the life and death of Jesus. I surrendered my life. That's when I met him. And then this is what my life has been like since I met Jesus. That's your testimony. Just simply tell people what your life was like before you met Jesus, how you met him, and what your life has been like since. So the, the prayer is, help, Holy Spirit, use my testimony in all of its prayer. It doesn't have to be perfect. Help people see Jesus. Second prayer. Holy Spirit, strengthen my trust in your work. Strengthen my trust in your work in the lives of people in my circle of influence. I'll say it again. Holy Spirit, strengthen my trust in your work, in the lives of people in my circles, my circle of influence. So remember I said, the Holy Spirit is already at work in that circle. You have to trust him. Sometimes I get in a hurry and I, like, when the Holy Spirit gets, somebody's, gets someone's attention, um, sometimes I get in a hurry, I get impatient. Are you ready to trust Jesus now? It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You skipped all the quadrants in the conversation. Just, just like, I'm, I'm not ready yet, but just, I'm, let, let me. So I need, to, I need to, to strengthen my trust that he is already working. This happened when my father came to, to Jesus, surrendered his life to Jesus. My mother would badger him all the time, badger him all the time, badger him all the time. And the more she badgered him, the more resistance we saw. So when she stopped badgering him, badgering him and trusted the Spirit's work, 
We left to go to church one weekend, and he was at home in the bed. And we looked up when it was um, near the end of the service, right before the preaching had ended. We looked up, and he is dressed to the nines in a white suit. And when the invitation was given, he came forward to give his life to Jesus. Now, I'm telling you, like, I'm saying the Holy Spirit is working whether you believe he's working or not. We simply have to strengthen our trust that he is working. Here's the third. Holy Spirit, weaken my pride and fear. Strengthen my trust. Weaken my pride and fear. Many times we are afraid. So, Holy Spirit, weaken my pride, weaken my fear. Help me to open my mouth when it's the right time. And then finally, Holy Spirit, widen my vision beyond my own world. Holy Spirit, widen my vision beyond my own world. And that is, man, we got life, we got bread, we got joy, we got peace. And it's not for us to be hoarders. It truly is for us to widen our vision to see more and more people respond to the gospel. Holy Spirit wants to work through us. Let me see if I can at least illustrate it, and this will, uh, and I'll close with this. This glove by itself can do nothing. If I say glove, play the piano like Ben Diaz. Glove, hold the microphone. Glove, turn the pages of the Bible. The moment I put my hand in the glove. I wish I could play the piano like Ben. I would try to play now, but I don't want to give you that right now. The moment I put my hand in the glove, it's not powerful to do a lot of things. It can pick up the stand. It can at least, uh, well, the, the power is off, so. <laughs> that really, that's not really good, so. But the moment you put your hand in the glove, it's the moment the glove becomes powerful beyond measure. You and I are the glove. And the Holy Spirit says, make room in your life for me. Make room in your life for me. I will get people's attention through supernatural and natural means. I just need you to be ready when it's the right time to have a conversation, to invite them to hear. Apart from the Spirit of God, the glove is weak and useless.
or apart from the hand being in the glove, the glove is weak and useless. And apart from the spirit of God, we are useless to the kingdom of God. When I say useless, I'm saying in the sense that all that God desires to do must be dependent on us being an available glove. Holy Spirit says, I will fill every facet of your life. And I'll release you into the world like we're about to do right now. We're about to release you back into the world. And we're asking that the Spirit of God will fill you up so at the right time when the Spirit gets the the attention of people who are far from him this week, you and I will be ready, like Peter, to just simply say, this is what God has done in and through Jesus. That's all I have. Let's stand. And for those of you who are, you need someone to pray with you, I'm going to ask the elders and the deacons and prayer team members to come forward right now. They are, they are longing to be able to pray with you, to love on you through prayer. So if you have a need or concern right now, um, once we give the the closing prayer, please come forward so they can pray for you. Also, if you are here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, it's like, 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 like the Holy Spirit. You said, like, like, I'm here today because God has been talking to me all week long, and he told me I need to come to church. I need to come and be among God's people, and you know something? I think today is the day I need to give my life to Jesus. These individuals are equipped to lead you in um, to begin following Jesus as well. All right, let me pray for us. God, thank you that you, you get our attention. You get our attention in so many different ways, supernatural, natural means, and um, you get our attention so that somebody might tell us about all the good things Jesus has done through his death and burial and his resurrection. And we pray now that as we are released back into the world, we, we are taking the Spirit with us, and we pray that we would be available, we would be gloves this week. We pray you would fill up every aspect of our lives, our ears and eyes and mouths, so that we might take the moment, these moments you give us this week, to share all that Jesus has done. Take our little frail testimonies of what we were like and how we came to know your son and what our lives have been like different, uh, since then. Take all of the frailty of that, our bumbling words, and we just simply ask you would empower us and that people would respond to your words. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.